Hi, kids. It's me, Tim. What's up with the cold open? Well, let me tell you about this cold open. What you're about to hear is an absolute mess of an episode, which I'm not telling you that it's a mess so that you'll lower your expectations. Rather, I'm telling you ahead of time to strap in because the mess is what helps make it one of my favorite episodes of this podcast, the best podcast on the planet Earth, Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brandon Kelly, starring Tim Crisp. So before you feel the need to email asking why Brandon sounds like he's recording from inside of a cave, I don't know, but it only lasts for about 20 minutes, plus all my gear is packed up because I'm moving on Saturday, so back the fuck off. No, I'm just kidding. Some other kooky stuff lies ahead, but we'll let that all play out. Here you are, friends. Enjoy the show. Hey, all right, this is Tim Crisp, and you're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brandon Kelly. Brandon, what's going on, Bubba? How are you? You know, man, I'm fine, but uh, I had to go to the doctor yesterday because I got this bug bite or something on my stomach. Whoa. And uh, then it got like real hard, and then it got real big and like expanded around, and uh-huh. it looks very much like... I just like went from having like a somewhat regular normal person stomach to a big fat hanging over stomach, which I've never had a, like that. And I'm like, and it itches like crazy, like all the way around my fucking midsection and shit. So, so it's just the bug bite just turned into like a, a dad belly. A, well, it's like a huge infection. It's just like on half. The oh, stomach. like no, this side of my body still looks uh-huh. normal. <laughs> <laughs> It's remarkably weird, and it's, you know, I'm like, oh, well, it's just a bug bite, but it's very hard to, like, look in the mirror and not be like, you are so disgusting. So what's going to happen? Well, I just got to get on some antibiotics. They gave me a shot in my ass, and then... Hell yeah. yeah. Did not hurt at all. I didn't even feel it go in. My big... You didn't even feel it go into your butt? That's right. <laughs> That's the best type of shot that you can get. The, the type of shot that you can't feel go into your butt. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's been it's been quite a, a summer of uh, of bug bites. I tell you that I got stung by a bee a couple weeks ago. It was it stung me on the lip. I had I was drinking a non alcoholic beer outside, and I went to take a drink. Freaking bee stung me right in the lip. It was inside your beer. It was inside my beer, and I didn't feel it go inside my beer or my butt. I had the same thing, but it was a lime marita <laughs> at my child's baseball game. <laughs> oh. Was it daytime? Where you drink lime maritas at night? What are you, a pervert? <laughs> <laughs> Only had a couple lime maritas in my life. I uh, I remember walking to work the next day, and I couldn't see straight. And I was like, well, yeah, that's probably all the battery acid that I drank last night at a Chicago Cubs baseball game, which is fitting for our discussion today as we wrap up. Well, we we may wrap up Gathering of the Chaps. We have three songs left. Uh, we've got two hours Let's see if we can get through it 
who knows? Who knows how long we'll be spending on you dumb dildos? Do we have we three could... or do we have four? I believe that we have three songs because last week we finished off with Sailor's Grave. That is correct, yeah. As I said, like, oh, it's so funny. Like a, a song about the sea. Remember in punk? It was one of my favorite one of my favorite parts of last week's episode. It is always good when I get called on my bullshit. You know, the the thing is that um in this uh world of um prolific songwriting that I've found myself in just due to the sheer amount of time that you people have been nice enough to let me do this. Sometimes things are going to become very contradictory, you know? And uh, all I can say is if it works, it fucking works, you know? I still reserve the right to be mad at it. <laughs> it doesn't. I think Steinbeck said that. If it works, it fucking works. Because someone was like, hey, you know, Cannery Row, East of Eden, like, seems to be. And he's like... Shut the fuck up. We're also joined by Hadley this week. She's sitting on my lap. We just want to uh, take a moment to acknowledge the fact that this will probably be the most enjoyable episode for me because I got this cute little thing sitting on my lap while I talk to my pal, Brandon, about a song called Glue Factory. Yeah, um, this one's cool. It's um, It's got a... Sort of different vibe to it a little bit than a lot mm-hmm. of the other stuff on here. It's got kind of like a, I don't know what you want to call it, like a really mundane suburbanite version of a, like a fucking mazurka or some shit like that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, there's like something vaguely Eastern European go- going on, but sure, yeah, it's done in like a very um, uninteresting white guy kind of way. Um, but I mean, that's what I well, am. I mean, as opposed to all of the all of the people of color that come from the Eastern European uh, sphere, right? Well, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I just, I just mean, I. Why I'm um, white American? Yes, I am using white. That's really interesting, Tim. You know. I was using white guy to mean no culture, and you just said white American, and it made me think of cheese. American cheese being probably the most uh, generic cheese um, in terms of language use, right? Like, if you're talking about something that's lame, and it's like, you're like, it's like fucking American cheese on Mm -hmm. white bread, that means it's very boring, right? Mm -hmm. American cheese is, however... The best cheese to melt on a burger, mm-hmm. for, for sure. And when you say mm-hmm. white American, that makes it even like more lame if you're talking people. But if you're talking cheese, endlessly more fancy. That's true because you have to get you have to get that cheese sliced. You can't get pre-sliced American cheese or white American cheese. Although cheddar on a burger, no, it's too sweaty. And it turns into like a plastic. American cheese looks like a plastic before it's melted and then turns into actual cheese when it's melted. <laughs> Fuck out of here with cheddar. Of all the things you could have said, Tim, seriously. If you were like, man, I like a little smoked Gouda on my burger, I could be like, all right, I can't argue with that shit. That's a specific taste. 
But it's American cheese. Come on, it's American cheese, man. It's, it's cheddar. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Calm down. Yeah. So I, but I get what you're saying, and I, I looked back into the into my notes because I said, ah, yes, like Eastern European folky. I believe there is a concertina on this record, though it's not on this song. That is true. The the concertina's addition to this record is is really funny because like so. I saw one when I was uh, in a music store uh, with my wife, and it was just so cool looking. And I was like, "Yeah, Guitar Center, checking out some Line Six amps." That's right, man. That's right. That's where I go for all my concertinas. Is Guitar Center, um, and uh, I have fucking. Um, uh oh, are you frozen? I uh, we froze for oh. a second. Okay, all right, we're back. We're back, folks. Um, and I um. I uh, saw this thing and I thought it was great and um, she got it for me for like Christmas or something like that and mm. I, I definitely was like under this illusion that I was going to like get on YouTube and figure out how to just play it like rudimentarily you know uh-huh. but that shit is imp- first of all there's there's no like standard like number of buttons on a concertina so like the one I have is like got I don't know 24 buttons up here and then like four down here uh-huh. I could not even find that setup on any concertina video on all of YouTube and so it's it's a complete mystery to me how this fucking thing is played mm-hmm. but uh, I was like it sounds so cool it sounds like a less dorky sounding harmonica really mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. And so I would just go in and I just like randomly finger certain buttons and then go. <laughs> and then Dave would be like, yeah, no, that sounds, that's, that's in the key. And I'd be like, yes. And I'd be like, what if I push it back in? <laughs> Cause it's like different. If you pull it out, it's a different note than if you push it in, even if you don't mm-hmm. change the fingering. So, so we all took turns fucking with that thing in there, but um, there was no. We all took of turns like, pushing, pushing it in and out, and fingering it. And... Very good, very good. You you really you really all all over this um, sort of uh, puerile humor today. It's well, <laughs> we'll get into the reasons why. I feel like I feel like listening to this record makes me feel like i'm just watching uh kevin smith marathons and then like talking <laughs> to my girlfriend afterwards <laughs> well yeah so this song um i think like on a very macro scale uh, or sense in a very macro sense this the song is sort of about perseverance right um and mm-hmm. uh I kind of had a a bit of like the tin drum kind of vibe going through my head when I started it. Just sort of that like Eastern European, like World War II sort of vibe. I mean, like mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, just like melting horses down into glue and, you know, things of that nature, which yeah. just seemed a little more old worldy to me. Um, it, uh-huh. I'm not really... I none of this is very specific in this song. It's just sort of like more yeah. like the 
the imagery that like I was getting into. Um, sort of like a sepia tone, just in yeah. general. You know, I mean, I think I think that it, there's you know the the first line of the song um, is obviously a reference to like the death of like sort of the American dream or whatever. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it says take me down to the ball game where the yellow grass grows and the deads the dead lay in piles under circling crows. Um I mean that's pretty fucking on the nose. You know what I mean? Uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> and then it's like to the glue factory to die for sort of utilitarianism purposes, which, you know, is mm-hmm. sort of a theme of the late mid well the mid 20th century um european vibe right uh you know stand in line at the factory to die for the utility of the state or whatever um certainly and yeah. uh and then that and then people getting kind of high off it you know and i also thought it was kind of funny to talk mm-hmm. about like <laughs> i thought it was cool to just talk about melting down horses and I thought it was funny to all of a sudden turn the glue that they melt into into something that you get high off of. I thought that was a clever little twist on the whole thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's something, like, really fucking weird when we... I think that I, like, learned about uh, horses and glue right around the time that movie Seabiscuit was... <laughs> Huge, and I had no idea that this was a thing, and it's a it's a wild uh, thing to consider. Um, the idea that this is like a uh, award winning and famous horse that ends up Seabiscuit might be the only uh, Earthling that's ever been on both sides of a stamp. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yes. Very nice. You know, you, you talk, you and I talk a lot. Well, you talk to our uh, very cool guests on Patreon, patreon.com slash better sandwich. And you often talk about um, favorite places to play in Europe or more specifically um, your fascination with European accommodations for uh, touring musicians. But don't really talk about like what cities you really have like enjoyed traveling through. And I guess just like thinking about, you know, all the places that you've played and all of the, you know, and that region that you're referencing on this song, like, um, were there any, like any times that you were in Europe where you were taking in the culture in a a way that Um, was impactful? Yeah. Here's the the weird thing is that like sort of because we started when we did, um, which was uh, I think we talked about this actually on Patreon. Um, we were sort of the band that like flipped Fat Records from having one very specific sound to another mm-hmm. kind of very specific sound, which is cool in retrospect if that all works out. But uh, at the time, made us this band that just didn't sound like what Fat Records was doing. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
Totally. So we had like a bit of an uphill battle, particularly in Europe, where um, Fat Records is just so huge. And people would show up and they were looking for like the lag wagon, no use for name, like doodle bap style drumming. And then Mm -hmm. we'd come out and it's like, you know, in those early days, it's like we hardly even had choruses and stuff like that, you know. And so much more of it is involved in like sort of uh, pseudo intellectual wordplay, for lack of a better word. So Mm -hmm. the less English you speak, the harder it definitely was to connect with this band that was doing something that was like, I don't even know what this is. Like to me is not punk rock. There's no crunch, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. guy sings like fucking dead cow, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And, and, uh, so we like, kind of like took a hit, uh, in Europe just based purely on timing. Cause it's like, I know that like, you know, now bands similar to us, like the Menzingers, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, it could just boil down to the fact that they're a better band than we are, but like they go over there and they have a huge fan base all over the place, but we never got to go too far East. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've been to Slovenia. Um, we've been to like Eastern, Eastern Germany, like Chemnitz and stuff like that, which yeah. is farther East than it sounds. Um, I mean, Austria, Prague, but um, and other places in the Czech Republic even, but we never like went to Poland, mm-hmm. never been to Russia, you know, definitely never done anything like, uh, well, well, yeah, we've never played like, uh, Croatia or Serbia or, or like gone into the Balkans. I mean, for, we did play Greece. That mm-hmm. was one that was really interesting. Yeah. G- great, great time. We flew, this is actually a funny little anecdote that I um, very much enjoy. Oh, what? Am I frozen again? I can see you. Send in the clowns. Those the, um, wifi clowns. Is not, um, she's not um, working for us like she should. Um, I'm having very troubles with wifi. Um, yeah, so we, we played the show in Greece and it was like, and we, I don't know why they, they got us to play. It was like, in retrospect, literally the only reason had to have been this guy's only connection was to fat records and he had, uh, great taste because the only other band he'd ever brought over was Propagandy and then us. Right. And um, so, so like, okay, first of all, the propaganda show, I think, was like, I think the police were called uh, for that show. And our show, uh, I think the promoter cried because so few people showed up. Um, but, uh, but so we're, we're in Milan and we're flying from Milan to Athens. And um, uh, back in those days, there was these fucking, insane like airbus tickets around greece i mean the tickets were 24 dollars um or around europe rather oh you're frozen that's it 
Okay. Well, it's a whole different day. Um, so as our Wi-Fi problems progressed, um, we decided to put this off. Uh, Tim, as I think you know, um, uh-huh. till today, which is why we're both here now, because we did have a certain um, social contract that uh-huh. we would uh, pick this up again today. Um, and I believe when we last spoke, I was talking about the Lawrence Arms playing in Greece. Mm-hmm. And as I believe I just mentioned uh, mm. to anybody living in the future that's just hearing all this shit run right together, um, I was telling you about how it would, had just been awesome propaganda that had been to Greece. Uh, and uh, the only possible reason could have been because um, somebody only had a connection to fat records uh-huh. and um, had great taste. Um, right. And uh, <laughs> that worked out great. Probably when propaganda was there, not so great when we were there. Literally. I believe that's like 15 seconds ago. I said that exact same thing. So this will be really fun to listen to. But the salient point is that um, we were in, <laughs> this is funny because I remember what the point is. I don't remember why this is the point, but the miracle <laughs> of um, you know modern podcasting and broadcasting is that everybody. This will make sense to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it has something to do with my name, I think, um, and uh, because we were in the Milan airport uh-huh. um, fl- flying to Athens, and uh, over the loudspeaker, it was like, "Brendan Kelly, please come to your podium." I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. So I go up to the podium and I'm like, hey, what's up? You guys just called my name. And they're like, no, we we did not call anyone's name. No. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. That's pr- pretty weird um, audio hallucination I'm having. If that, And then it's like, Brendan Kelly, please come to the podium. I'm like, no, 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 no. See, listen, that, that's me. And they're like, oh, that's that desk over there and it was a flight to Dublin and there was like eight guys gathered around being like oh, I'm I'm and Kelly what what can I do for you you know um so I don't um exactly remember why we started talking about that which is mm-hmm. going to make us sound like a bunch of like glue sniffing perverts uh listening back to this because I know you know on this timeline we just talked about why ever I was bringing that up but uh <laughs> I don't. I don't know. In in the sober dawn of today, why I would have possibly been wanting to talk about that. Well, I, I'm sure that uh, future me is going to be like, yeah. Turns out there really wasn't a point. Yeah, that that story so, was irrelevant anyway. Here you huh, go, listeners. Wow. Thank you. Uh, We'd like to take this opportunity to tell you all about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Sandwich. Oh, yeah, baby. It's great. So many many fun stories over there about uh, airports and Europe and Brendan Kelly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, um, you know, Tim Brown, the major player over there at... uh, uh, oh, Timothy Brown. Yeah, he uh, probably goes over well in Dublin. Yeah. Well, the first time we ever played um, in Ireland, I remember asking from the stage, I said, hey, what's up? It's my first time in Ireland as a grown-up. 
I just got to ask. How many Brendan Kellys are out there? And there was like six. <laughs> <laughs> so, if there's ever any like um, societally perverted notion that my name was in any way interesting, I can assure you it's not. I'm not even the only musician Brendan Kelly on the north side of Chicago. Is that true? That wow. is true. Amazing. Well, I mean, if we're if we're giving information like that out for free, you can only imagine what's over there behind the paywall at <laughs> patreon.com right. slash yeah. better yet podcast. Uh, I mean, the slash I, I did that last week and it was on accident. Patreon.com slash better sandwich. Um, we had a great conversation uh, last week. I read you your your birth chart. So I, I, I gotta be asking you, how are you feeling now on the second day of Libra season? Yeah. You know, it's really been hard, but I've been trying to maintain, um, my opinion that shit doesn't matter at all. Um, and <laughs> turns out it's, <laughs> I've been pretty good at, uh, staying the course, uh, <laughs> with, with that. Um, but uh, that was actually two weeks ago, um, Tim. Last week, we talked to Greg Barnett um, of Menzinger's fame. My favorite boy, Greg Barnett. Um, and um, that was a really fun conversation. We talked a lot about how everybody's uh, thriving and surviving in um, lockdown and um, how much exactly we've um, let ourselves go and are jealous of all of you out there that have decided to like train for the marathon or, you know, go vegan or whatever. Because my question was, do you put on pants? And he was like, laughed and well, you'll, you know what? You'll have to go over there and sign up in order to hear his answer. Um, but I promise you it's a doozy. So glue factory, um, picking up from where we were, Last week, um, I I just love this, you know, like it's kind of like tribal uh, dance of the dead that's going on um, around the glue factory as a couple of glue sniffing perverts. Yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I think the um, there's uh, that song that we've discussed on another episode of this very podcast, the dance of the doomed um, on the Wandering Birds record, and which is mm-hmm. directly referenced. It on on uh, this song, and this is another one of those fun places where like being in the Falcon uh, pays dividends in terms of just having the best possible time in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a, another very much an example of one of the dudes being in the booth and not totally knowing what the lyrics were, but then finally hearing them for the first time, like in the <laughs> vocal booth to do backing vocals, and it was Dave Haas this time, and. Um, the the line is the dance of the dune is so easy to learn. Just stick your dick in till that shit starts to burn. And he goes, Oh my, <laughs> which is, um, uh, Dave's a big Howard Stern fan. I'm a big Howard Stern fan. And Danny's mm-hmm. a big Howard Stern fan. We spend a lot of time on tour in the Falcon listening to Howard Stern tapes and like outtake bits and stuff like that. But that's a, a George Takei thing. Uh, and mm. he's like a, Recurring cast member on the Howard Stern show. Uh huh. And 
you know, when he gets excited, oftentimes when like Howard will bring in like a hot guy and have him pull out his dick or something like that. Because mm-hmm. George loves that kind of shit. Uh, and he'll go, oh my. Right. <laughs> and so um, we actually subbed out Dave's oh my and put in the, <laughs> the George Decay oh my in, in the song. Fantastic. Pretty cool. But the thing that's, I think, a little bit lost in this sort of narrative is that the sentiment behind that lyric is actually um, very sincere and true and real. It's like, yo, like the dance of the doomed, that which you will destroy yourself with mm-hmm. is easy. You just like fucking start doing it and it feels great until it fucking feels terrible and then you're doomed, you know? Yeah. And, and so <laughs> like as much as it's kind of like got a funny – uh, you know, locution to it or whatever. Um, the, mm-hmm. the actual sentiment. I mean, like a lot of this song is it's pretty dark, I suppose. Yeah, I I think that that's uh that's a kind of an interesting take to consider in just the idea that like no matter what you do, whether you whether it's a job that you like go and punch in 40 hours and leave or if you're doing something that uh is you know a creative endeavor uh whatever you're doing at a certain point just the repetitiveness of it is going to break you yeah i mean you know people always are like what do you have to complain about your jobs being in a band and I've always had this thought that's like, there are some jobs that are fucking way worse than other jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, no doubt about it. But like, I feel like being a male porn star is probably a pretty decent job, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like if you if you're like at peace with what you're doing, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the hurdle to get over. Right. There. If you're at peace with what you're doing, it's like. Oh, I'm going to have like the kind of athletic sex people only dream of with the kind of women that people only dream of mm-hmm. or dudes, you know, yeah. what, either yeah, way yeah. or, you know, anybody in between or uh, on whatever fucking spectrum of gender there is. Um, if you're just a red blooded dude, that's like, yep, this is a pretty dope job. Mm-hmm. But everybody has bad days at work. Yeah. And if you have a bad day at porn, <laughs> I feel like it's really, really fucking bad. Yeah. Like, that's not like, it's not like, oh, fucking Archie yelled at me again. <laughs> it's like, Ugh, I hate literally my own skin, you know? So, mm-hmm. and if that job could be bad, man, any job can be bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking fantastic point um i mean yeah it's like it's such a fucking it is a wild like consideration i think for like anybody who lives off of their creativity is the perception that people have that it's just like oh that's like an easy job it's like no no yeah there's a lot of rejection there's a lot of uh feeling fucking stupid there's a lot of fear and just yeah, like and being I mean, able to do it again. 
you know, and for like the the job that I do, it's you know, people in bands talk about this all the time. It's like the part we get up on stage for an hour is not the job part. The part where we drive nine hours mm-hmm. and like then have to get a hotel in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, you know, and then like set up our gear and then like stand around mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. That's what we're getting paid for. Right. You know, the part where we're on stage, I mean, shit, I would pay to do that part. Right. But like, that's not the whole thing. But there's another aspect to it too, which is like, let's say that um, whatever's fucking gone down and like, my, I said or did the wrong thing, and like my wife is mad at me, right? Mm-hmm. Or even worse, what if I said or did the wrong thing and Chris is mad at me, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, it here's a party with a thousand people. You're the host. Get out there and make sure that you know their twenty dollars is mm-hmm. well spent. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing up there with a guy that just like hates me. Or vice versa, or I hate him, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make him into some sort of like monster or anything like that. Or I guess that makes me the monster. Whatever makes me the monster, that's where I'm, that's where I'm going with this. Um, that's not always an easy, uh, sort of soul divorce to make. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like to sit up there and be like, so what's next and then it's just like a glance it's like hey go fuck yourself it's like mm-hmm. okay all right yeah you know, dude and it's, for real like and, I- and like it's not sam russo who's on our patreon has the stories of the worst jobs i've ever heard he worked in a cement sheet factory which sounds like it just uh-huh. blows, but he worked in a perfume factory where his job was perfecting or not perfecting, um, monitoring, I guess when the heads of the perfume bottles would come down onto the bottles. Uh-huh. And if they didn't come down perfectly, the bottle would shatter and it would shatter perfume all over him. And he'd have to clean that up. And then it would also be like each bottle that was shattered was docked from his pay. Jesus so Christ. he's dealing in broken glass, random perf- like old lady perfume. You've got to. I mean, how uh-huh. nice is the perfume that Sam Reese is in the factory making? You know what mm. I mean? Uh, <laughs> so he smells like fucking Blanche from the Golden Girls. Uh, he's got cuts in his hand from cleaning up shards of glass, and his pay is less because the machine didn't work right. Yeah. So being in a band after like I said the wrong thing in the van, and Neil's giving me the stink eye. Still pretty good. Yeah. But it is just like, there's like a mental fortitude that has to go into it that I think, you know, again, it's like, that's what you get paid for. It's not the part where you're doing something that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. It's the part where you're like putting on a show and being doing the human. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I could, it's like, you look at these bands with the crazy longevity. It's like, you think, you think fucking like Mick and Keith are hanging out. No, they they figured out how to just like exist on a stage or they figured out how to exist 
off of the stage separate enough to where they can just do that. And I don't know. I don't. It's crazy that they're still doing it. But like, could you imagine? Can you imagine if Slapstick was still a band and you and Matt Stamps were like doing this thing together? Yeah. I Well, the thing is, like, I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, with, no, no, with no, no, stamps. no. You're not, you're, you're not putting me on the spot with stamps. I've already said that I feel like he doesn't want to talk to me or deal with me anymore on this very podcast. But like, if we were still a band, first of all, Matt is enough of a professional and a gentleman and a good human being. And I am enough of a person that just can't abide, like, sort of being in the shitter, mm-hmm. you know, with someone. That yeah. I think we would have had to kind of work it out. Um, like, as it stands now, he's got no reason to have to deal with me anymore. So he's just like, fuck this guy. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done with this. Right, right. You know? So, but, like, it's actually a great example. Because if if I was still in a band with Matt Stamps and was still paying the bills mm-hmm. for both of us, in my mind, and what I feel like is... Uh, the way Matt operates as well, there would be no choice but to figure out how we could like accommodate each other and not just be like Keith Richards and Mick Jagger and like stay in our own dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be an option. We were a yeah. ska band, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, um, but actually like work something out to at least a point of friendly acquaintances, if not like, back to friends and like that's the thing i love matt like we we could be best buds mm-hmm. you know like so uh but yeah it 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 is hard um the the tribulations oh wait that's that's a, one of the words in this very song that we're talking about it is crazy that tribulations yeah crazy that you had to follow trials Never yeah, thought about. <laughs> well, that's like that whole. Who's there's that one comedian? Hannibal's got Hannibal's got a joke this. about trials and tribulations you, you, that I really no, like. Oh, really? I thought it was a maybe it's the same like extended bit, and I think you even talked about it on this podcast where it was um, about raping and pillaging. Yeah, mm-hmm. how you never hear of anyone just pillaging. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. always got to be a little rape in there. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Pretty fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to leave one behind, like, personally, not big into either, but if I'm going to do one, mm-hmm. I'm going pillage. Yeah. Pillage. <laughs> you, you, know? you get yourself a new uh, a new soup spoon or something from somebody's Xbox. house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, no, that's that's totally true, though, with, with like, you and Stamps, because, you know, your Mercury and Libra certainly puts you in that, like, oh, yeah, we got to... They got to figure it out, you know. Me, I got, I got all that fire in me. I, I hold a grudge. It's a bad thing, though. I'm working on it. Someone once told me that I uh, just gotta, I gotta stop letting the New Jersey grandmother that's inside of me come out. That's good advice. It is. It's really good advice. <laughs> um, you dumb dildos. Like it's great that we made sure that we got back so that we could. Uh, talk at length about a song called You Dumb Dildos. Yeah. Um, 
what this just made me think of, and this is a real like footnote to the last podcast we did. Um, it just reminded me there's one like very interesting thing in Sailor's Grave that I didn't mention to you, and I'm going to mention it right now, just really quick. Mm-hmm. We don't even need to discuss it. Um, the when it when it goes to the breakdown in Sailor's Grave. I I got nothing left to say. Dave's doing this very slow, like, guitar riff. And then at the very, very end, after, whoa, 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 oh, he does that exact same riff, but fast. Oh, hell yeah. And it's really, really cool. And it's actually pretty hard to pick apart that that's what he's doing. Um, And... It's really neat, and I just kind of felt bad that I didn't give him the props for that um, back then. But mm-hmm. You Dumb Dildos, um, great song by Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, this song, <laughs> I think it I think it makes sense. It's pretty self-explanatory, at least to me, in terms of lyrical content. Mm-hmm. But Tim, why is it called You Dumb Dildos? Is that the question? Well, yeah, I think that I'm, I guess my, 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 my first wonder is like that, did, did Daniel Andriano come up with that song title? Daniel Andriano came up with the suggestion that we call this song, You Dumb Dildos. Amazing. The phrase, You Dumb Dildos. I mean, was hardly coined by either me or Dan, but uh, Dan and I did a um, acoustic tour of Europe where we took all trains through Europe. Uh-huh. Um, and it's one of the most fun times I've ever had in my life. Uh, Sounds amazing. It was really, really terrific. And the... We could do probably an entire other podcast series just about that tour. Um, it was so much fun. But one of the nights, it was really great. Well, so we're in Munich. And um, Munich is a place that if you're from Germany, you think of it as like this hillbilly hell. Because the people still wear like lederhosen and shit to work. So it's a really? little like tech. It's a little like Texas. Right? Yeah. It's Bavaria. Mm. So it's like real like Heimat, um, which means homeland, but it's got kind of like a different um, connotation than homeland. I, How do you uh, know that? I, uh, I went to film school and there's uh, Heimat Film, which is oh, okay. um, German films that went and uh, sort of re-explored what the actual essence of being Teutonic was all about in a post-World War II uh, world when, oh. like, Berlin was, like, completely rubble and shit like that. And yeah. everybody was making these, like, dark noir pieces. Yeah. The Heimat films were, like, very much like Sound of Music type stuff. Right? Uh-huh. So, um, so you've got uh, Bavaria, I think, which, you know, is um, considered in no small part to be this, like, sort of, like, the texas yeah i mean that's mm-hmm. that's just the best way i can put it it's like mm-hmm. you know america's known for barbecue but texas is known for barbecue 
Germany's known for brats, but it's fucking Bavaria, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Munich is the biggest, the big Steins, all that shit. I mean, it's Munich is where the fucking everything's bigger in Munich. I believe the Hofbrauhaus, where Hitler stood up on the table and was like, "I'm running for office," you know, <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably a little more uh shrilly than i just did mm-hmm, but uh mm-hmm. i got it though you know. dallas they killed kennedy and yeah yeah, yeah 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 um so in germany they fucking most of like the sort of forward-thinking people kind of have this disdain for bavaria in my experience i don't know if that's mm-hmm. like 100 percent true but um i've always loved it i think the people are really nice I don't know the inner workings of the politics there, so that doesn't like really touch me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the difference of the accents, um, which is something that like sort of you know Berliners talk about a lot in terms of uh, what drives them crazy about being in Munich. Mm-hmm. All I know is it's like, wow, there's like a lot of you know beer wenches dressed like the St. Pauli girl walking around, mm-hmm. even though that's Hamburg is where St. Pauli is, but that's, you, you get my point. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you gotta really be just so careful when you talk about anything these days. Um, that I say, as I correct, not the part where I say the word wench, but the part where uh-huh. I mentioned the wrong part of Germany. Um, but, uh, you know, it's big beers, and everybody's really nice and fun, and then every once in a while, you've got some dipshit wearing lederhosen coming out of a fucking insurance office, and that's hilarious, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. uh, and we get to we get to Munich, and we go to a beer garden. It could very well be that famous beer garden. I don't know, um, but it's one of the ones, like, in the, the district or whatever, and then we get into a cab, and our driver is just so high on some kind of speed, it's completely fucking disturbing. You know, and he's just like, he's just like, guys, guys, where should we go? Look at this. I don't even stop at lights. I'm going here, right, over curb. Who cares? I got this. I've got this, guys. Do I have it? And we're like, oh, my God. It's like three in the afternoon. We got to play a show. <laughs> here. <laughs> really gonna kill us <laughs> and, uh, so we play the show obviously the show's a great success <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and we get into another cab and Dan's got this thing that I'm absolutely going to fucking not feel bad about saying on here because Jesus fucking Christ he doesn't want to sit in the front seat but he doesn't want us both to sit in the back seat. So if you take a cab with Dan, you have to sit in the front seat, right? Uh, so I'm sitting in the front seat. This is. So it's, yeah. that's how that's how cabs work, though. It's not like he's fucking like saying, "Oh, we can't sit on the same side of the booth." Yeah, but no. It depends on who you're working with, if that's how cabs work. Um, mm-hmm. Because that, this, this is the way cabs work if you're riding with Dan. And, um, God damn, I love so, that. So we get into this this cab, and it's late at this point. We're into the show. We're like a little like tanked up. 
Um, and, you know, we're like riding high off what I, I don't know. Every day of that tour was fun. Even if the shows were bad, they were still fun mm-hmm. as shit. So we get in and I'm sitting in the front. And the first thing I say to the dude is like, oh my God, dude, it is such a pleasure to have you as our driver because we had this fucking dumb dildo earlier <laughs> that was fucking like driving over curbs and shit high on speed. And we thought we were going to die. And this dude's like a young Middle Eastern guy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dumb dildos, what is dumb dildos? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dude, dumb, dumb d- dildos? You know, Dan's in the back and he's like, you know, you know, like dildos, man, like uh, uh, things that women use to uh, enjoy themselves or whatever. And he's like, okay, what does. It's like, oh, dude, it's a thing that you call somebody that you, like, have, uh, you know, that you kind of want to disrespect, but mm-hmm. it's funny. Yeah, yeah. You know what he's like? Yeah? And we're driving in all the bars and getting out and shit, and I'm like, it, it, Dan's like, check this out, and he, like, rolls down the window, he's like, hey, you dumb dildos! He's like, see, it's like that. <laughs> you know? And then, and then, uh... The dude is just so fucking tickled by this. Like, he, <laughs> he just, like, can't, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly the thing. Right, just like Danny did. I'm like, you should try it. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. You know, I'm like, fuck yeah. So I'm like, roll down the window. Look, here comes a group of dildos right now. You got it. You got it, but dude. And he was like, you dumb dildos! And, and like, he was just, like, electrified. And we were all, like, just, like, crying, laughing. It was so exciting. And, I mean, you're like, it, it was, for, like, such a, like, sort of coarse phrase, it was a really pure moment mm-hmm. where this yeah. dude who, like, had not seemingly, from what I could tell, dealt in that sort of, like, casual irreverence was like just all of a sudden like indoctrinated into this thing by like two scumbags who were like, no, nah, no, nah, just call random people dumb dildos. <laughs> it's really funny. And and then, you know, and I think the fact that we were laughing about it, I like to think that guy is somewhere now using dumb dildos in like a very casual mm-hmm. colloquial sense. You know, he's like, yes, and then Mark came and, you know, he said I spent too much on gas and I was like, you dumb dildo, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but but like we were like crying and high-fiving and we were all three calling everybody dumb dildos around us the entire way back to our hotel and when we left he's like lighter you dumb dildos and we were like yes <laughs> that guy is the best and so when dan brought this song to the falcon he had another title for it at first, and then he called me, and he was like, dude, I want to call the song You Dumb Dildos. And I was like, you just hang up the phone. Of course we're calling the song You Dumb Dildos. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash Better Sandwich. We're just going to do an episode where uh, we hit record and just drop them. Just drop those fucking train riding stories, you and Dan. Gold, so baby. fun, so fun. Um, but uh, the song, yeah, the song itself was um, 
written by Dan, and he brought it in. And you know, like uh, Dan was the only. Well, I don't remember how the demo for if Dave did it came through, but like my demos are super rudimentary. Just like I do it on my um, my voice notes mm-hmm. on my phone, so it's just like I play on the acoustic guitar and I sing at the same time. That's it. This one definitely came through with like drum tracks, bass line, you know, mm-hmm. guitar. I mean, Dan's a professional. So um, we kind of knew how the song would sound. And the thing is, it's a little long and it's a little meandering. And he didn't have anything for the second verse. Mm-hmm. And then he left before the end of the studio session. <laughs> and so um, I was like, so everything every, everything was in place. And then for the second verse, he was like, you just should sing something here. Yeah. But I had no, well, I think because it was, Dan's song on the record, I had this idea that I could kind of have a little more freedom to do something fun if I wanted to. And mm-hmm. so I just took Ice Cube's verse from Parental Discretion is Advised on Straight Out of Compton. Uh-huh. And I just sang that at the at the beginning. Yeah. Um and then Is that what you're singing uh, like under Dan? N- well, no. Um no, it's like um after like what a sorry fucking what world. What a fucking world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be what is known as a bandit. You got to hand it to me if you truly understand uh-huh. it. If you don't believe it, you could read it in Braille. It'll still be funky. Now it's left is the flex of a genius, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and so then, with that under my belt, I decided that I would like... Because his first verse is sort of... Um, I don't know if it's like environmental, socioeconomic, environmental, like, you know, just the... The, uh, the the sort of hellfire that rages around us every day today. Right. That's what this was addressing was <laughs> impending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I thought that it would be cool if I could come in with a verse that was a little more um, personal and yeah. individualized. It Because I feel like what Dan was saying was um, significant and important, but like, Everything and, and everything is better if there's both lenses trained on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is what's this is what this means for all of humanity. My personal struggle, or this is what this greater thing is to me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, whichever direction you want to go with that, and uh, so that like I'm a lost soul flying under dead moons, which is a little bit better of a lyric than I. Uh, kind of expected it to be it's yeah uh you know and um and so it's the same thing it's like from from what my lyrical input was into this it, it it was with the understanding that a lot of dance had to do with sort of the economic raping and pillaging of the world uh with no foresight about uh, how it was going to affect, you know, global climate and mm-hmm. things of that nature, mm-hmm. you know, and how that was going to become a disaster. Right. 
it was sort of the same thing on like a humanist level mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, you know what, man? Uh, in the morning, I drink coffee and fucking shake around and then I start drinking whiskey and then fucking back at it, you dumb dildos, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's it's the same thing. I mean, it's a microcosm of the, of the exact same concept. Um, but then Dave, at the end, where all oh, that ends mm-hmm. it, Dan was already gone at that point. Yeah. And Dave's like, and I, I mean, I hope I'm not talking out of school because I think that the song turned out great. So um, totally. But but Dave was like, we we can't just leave this like this. We have to add more stuff. This is whether Dan knows it or not. This is a sort of a backing part. Like I'm going to sing over this, and then he mm-hmm. sings over it, and he's like, and we're like, oh yeah, that's a lot better, and then. He's like, there's got to be more. And so so that's when I come in and sing like sort of the round of my verse back under that chorus. But Dave was inspired by me doing the Ice Cube verse. And what he's screaming at the end is, bitch better have my money. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> Rihanna song. <laughs> so there's a lot of hip hop in this one, Tim. Um. It's funny that you, you you said the morning is for coffee. It's the morning is for coughing in the lyric sheet. Uh, yeah, no, I that's it's been a long time. Um, I don't I don't even really drink coffee. Oh anymore. no, I was I was wondering if it was a if it was a misprint or if it was it, no, it wouldn't be a misprint. It would be a misremembering mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah, the morning's for coughing, the afternoons for shakes. Yeah, because. I actually was thinking about this when we were coming in for the for this, and I was like, "The morning's never really for coffee." It's like I only drink coffee very casually, mm-hmm. and if the morning is for something in this sort of dire of a situation, it's not coffee. It's like lime maritas, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so for sure. It makes a lot more sense that it's coughing. Yeah, yeah. It's like I think it's cool that this is. You know, this character that you have here is kind of a uh, just a like microcosm of like the like large scale, like, you know, killing that's happening with just like, you know, poisoning the well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this this guy who's just like he's not like it doesn't seem like he's doing like direct harm. But you know that nobody is attached to this person on like a positive uh, level. And you can kind of just see like the trail of just like chaos that this human creates without like regard. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's exactly it, you know, and it's more eloquent than I could have said it, but yeah, it's like as humanity trudges through the earth. So this guy trudges through his society and his own body or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and that was sort of like the, the the pluralism, I guess, I was trying to achieve with my part of the song. And also not for nothing, it's like NWA is like one of the most nihilistic um, mm. artists of all time, mm-hmm. you know. And that like inclusion is not totally on accident, you know. It's not just a coincidence 
this song, which is about like how nihilism done destroyed us, man, uh, is also peppered with lyrics from a band that <laughs> comes from a, um, are you laughing at me by calling NWA a band? Straight up, you straight up froze on me that entire time. I didn't realize that you were still going. So, oh, oh, continue. Well, I'll I'll catch well, up. Well, what I was saying was, like, it's no it's no accident that like um, this song that's about like sort of like the nihilism of humanity and the nihilism of man is also paired with this song from one of these very nihilistic mm-hmm. uh, groups, which. Um, happened to be uh, to use like a super like gnarly millennial PC term that I think is annoying uh, from underserved communities Mm -hmm. that um, are feeling the wrath of both personal selfishness and environmental selfishness at the hands of uh, you know wealthy elites and so there, there is something there. I mean, to describe it like that makes it sound more like gives it more pomposity than it really is supposed to have. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was just like, you know, who else doesn't give a fuck? Ice Cube, uh-huh, you know? But, uh-huh. <laughs> but like, I feel uh, like that's what this the, band is. It's just like it's taking it all to extremes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, I do like, I do like that point though, that it's like, yeah, here's the fucking product. Here is like, here is negativity that just surges and collects and then it has to force itself out. And then the people who don't see it are, who don't see it build up, who don't look at it. They hear mm-hmm. they hear a group like NWA. They hear a song like Cop Killer, and they're like, "Oh my god, these heathens!" Right? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, you just flipped a thing at Whole Foods because you had to wear a mask. <laughs> Imagine if they <laughs> killed your dad on your lawn in front of you because he was like driving the lawnmower too fast. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, probably a good way to transition into black teeth. Yeah, man. Um, so this is a big one. This is like one of, um, this is what it's, this song's kind of funny because it's like, I don't, I would never ever think that this would be anybody's favorite song I wrote mm-hmm. or even every, anybody's favorite song on this record necessarily. It's probably like one of the most like significant personal songs that I feel like was written. And I didn't tell anybody what it was about. All I told Dave and Dan and Neil was I wanted to do something in the vein of old school naked ray gun very much like the song Treason, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. where the chords change and it's just the same thing. You know, it's like, why me? Why am I down? Mm-hmm. Why feel I'm not home? And I was like, 
I want to do a take on that. Yeah. You know, and then the way Treason breaks in in the chorus, and it's like this fucking awesome melodic chorus, but in the true Naked Raygun style, and everybody knows I love that band, so that I, I mean, no disrespect, shit doesn't mean anything. You know, yeah. like, uh, like, like, mm-hmm. it's like treason, treason, treason. Like, it, I would give, I would happily hand over a hundred dollars to anybody that bet me that that meant something in order to be proved wrong. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think it means anything. I think it's just a cool word. And so I wanted to do something that was a little like, that was my writing exercise. Tim mm-hmm. um and um and then we were in the van one day and Dave's like what is this fucking black teeth song about and I'm like eh, it's going to bum you out if I tell you like it, you're not going to any you know which of course is probably you got to tell him now me, me but, being like, keep asking. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. Like, but, but, but like, but at the time, like, it, it wasn't necessarily my intent. It was just like that's what came out, you know. Um, but I didn't say like it's not about anything, which is what I would have said if I didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, it was about um, Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, the shooting in, in Ferguson and the sort of circus that surrounded it and the just vampiric takes that were going on. And what's so fucked up is that today, not only does Ferguson seem quaint, mm. the vampiric takes on Ferguson that were at the time to me so evil mm-hmm. seem quaint and measured. Yeah by the standards of what today's like discourse is, you know, like that little Rittenhouse shit in Kenosha, like Mm -hmm. that's beyond even my comprehension. Like I saw that and I was like, I will not be on the internet for days. I, I can't even handle the fact that people are lionizing this fucking murderer as some sort of hero. You know, it's really fucking disgusting, but in the wake of, um, Mike Brown's slaying at the hands of the cops. Um, I was pretty upset. And uh, this song came out. Like, I've told you enough about, like, and you know what? On my blog, oh, my God. No, I can't do this now. Um, I just wrote a bunch of shit about uh, how to write songs on my blog. And um, I wasn't trying to sell anything. I'm not going to tell you to buy anything but there's a lot of information there about how i feel it's best to write songs and one of the main things is you have to develop a point of view and when you do if you just sit down and write a song what is important to you will come out in that song Mm -hmm. and this was important to me like i didn't sit down to write a song about ferguson missouri Mm -hmm. you know i sat down and i to write a song, and I came out with a song about Ferguson, Missouri. And um, um, I think it's, it's um, you know, it's a hell of a fucking thing, man. Like, 
is it exploitative? I don't think so because it's like I tried mm-hmm. to ensure that there was nothing in it that could seem like I was like cashing on anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and I also think that it's there's there's a lot of structurally going on that I think is like significant to the greater narrative. Like all four of us sing every word in this song. Mm-hmm. You know, which is like sort of like a unity thing, and and it builds and builds and builds. Like what I told the dudes when we went into the studio was like, I want this song to build like a cone mm-hmm. until the end, where we never take anything out. We just add something else on, and then we add something else on, and then we add something else on. Until it's as big as it can possibly be, because that's like the explosion of this sort of idea. I mean, I didn't say that at the time, because obviously I didn't tell anybody what this song was about. But to jump back and forth in like sort of disparate timelines or whatever, Dave, when he asked me what the song was about, and I was like, it's about Ferguson, and he was like, Oh shit, dude! You gotta fucking put that out there, like, because I'd been pretty adamant that we make a video for this song, mm-hmm. and, and um, I think everybody was like, "Yep, you're banned, dude." You know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my reasons were that I just felt that it was an important song. That's why I put it at the beginning of the record and the end of the record. Yeah, and. and uh, and then as the record was coming out, that's or as the video was coming out, rather, sorry, um, that's when Dave was asking me, and he's like, dude, this needs to be out there, like, as part of, like, the press release. This is, like, a very important part of the story of this song. And I was like, I am not telling this story. This is not my story to tell. Mm-hmm. This is just my song. And Dave was like, if you're comfortable with it, how about I write something that's like, Beeks told me what this song was about. And he didn't want to talk about it, but I feel like it's important. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, if you're comfortable with that, for sure, go for it. And that's what happened. And, uh, you know, I'm glad, obviously, like, it's like there's a fine line between, like, humility and being Emily Dickinson, you know? Yeah. And, and, like, and like the, this was something that, like, the... I was I I just wasn't comfortable with, but I'm glad that I'm glad Dave made us think about it and and fucking threw it out there so people could listen to that song and be like, oh, this is a social justice song actually, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of like lyrics that I think out of context are very questionable <laughs> in this song also. <laughs> so uh, you know, but I, I but again I was comfortable with that like uh, mm-hmm. like I don't know, yeah, that's. That's Black Teeth, baby. Um, my favorite song on this record, for sure. The one that still gives me goosebumps when I hear it. Um, just because it's like... It's got the the fucking... The anger and the vibe are so for real mm-hmm. to me. And... Um, I think it's one of those things where like... You know, where like... Paul McCartney's like, who oh, the best song I ever wrote? <laughs> Wonderful Christmas time. And you're like, what? 
That's <laughs> your favorite? Jesus Christ, you don't know anything about your own music. Mm-hmm. You know, but for this, in this case, um, I'm not expecting anyone else to fucking come along with me on the ride on Black Teeth. I just like, this one's for me, man. You know, dude, this is. I'm from Missouri. Yeah. Like, um, that, that's not far from where I grew up um, when I was real little before I moved to Chicago. I moved here when I was 10, so. I mean, I basically grew up here, but, you know, like, I still feel like a ancestral home there. And, yeah, this one's for me. Yeah, that's all. To reiterate, this is all four of us saying every word, mm-hmm. which is pretty fun. And it was cool to make a video for this one. And um, Did that one at the Double Door. Yeah. Yeah, we did it at the Double Door. And it's also extraordinarily fun to play live and this is a great one to close to close with because it kind of is like makes people go what the fuck (laughs) i remember when um we did the d4 tour on um their situations comedy tour they they uh they closed the first night with uh God, I can't remember. Is, I think it's maybe D4 put in the F back in art. Yeah. Like, you know, their names are so fucked up, mm-hmm. but it's that walk away song. Yeah. And afterwards, they were like, dude, we had three more songs to go. And I was like, do you know how fucking ballsy I thought it was that you guys closed with that song? Because that is obviously like such a mission statement song. Mm-hmm. And it's nobody's fucking favorite song by D4. But it's like, so just like up your ass this is my fucking opinion Mm -hmm. you can go fuck yourself if you don't like Mm -hmm. it and this is our last song and they were like well the last time i saw those dudes they were like do you know we close with that song every night because of that little impassioned speech you made (laughs) and i was like i was like oh my god that's like the most important thing i've ever Yeah, that that song. If there was a um, song called Dillinger Four on an album called Dillinger Four by Dillinger Four, that's a yeah. pretty good candidate for it. Um, that story with Dave, you know what it reminded me of? What's that? You know what I want to say, but I can't get it out. Yeah, I'm not great at expressing myself, Tim. Is that what you're getting at? I think that it's like. I think that there is a very real conflict of emotions that, uh, you know, not even like, I think that any person who is not like a person of color right now is experiencing of just like wanting to do what's right, wanting to say what's right. And also like saying shit that's on your mind. Sometimes you stop, yourself and you say like am i the right am i the right person to be saying this am i saying it the right way and i think this song like throws it down but if it if it comes out with you saying like this is what the song is about like yeah it just i think is uh that's a tough that's a tough one to that's a tough step to take with it i think like to to say like you know directly about like what this song means 
I don't know if that's like yeah. the if that's the way you would want to present it. No, I mean, I wanted to present it as sort of raw art and like the. I mean, I don't think that there's any question that this is about like a caged animalism that wells up inside of humanity, mm-hmm. right? Like that that is, and of something that is rotting. Yeah, like those are the two themes that like sort of shoot through the middle of the heart and soul of this song, right? And um, obviously, knowing the context, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cage people in a system that's rotting? Yeah, that has a, a real direct correlation with something like Ferguson. Um, and, and, but there's also, like, sexualization. There's also casual racism. There's also, like, casual, like, um, like, hipster sloganeering in there Mm -hmm. you know it's like all that shit is like sort of like marbled into the song um right like in terms of like hey how can we like fetishize um this culture that's like being literally destroyed by literally the people we pay to do it Mm. you know like Mm -hmm. um and it's I mean, it's a dark subject, man. Yeah. You know, like, this is not. This is a fun song. Mm-hmm. It is not a fun song to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Definitely. And, like, and it, 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 like, it does put a lot of, like, things out there that are supposed to be, like, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, like, can you say that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's more like, nope, that's being done already. Yeah. Can you abide this? And is this really your problem mm-hmm. with what's going on in the relationship between um, pop culture America and people on the streets being gunned down, gunned down by stormtroopers? Like, mm-hmm. your problem is me saying big loads and beards or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, it's like, uh, it's just like unconscionable the entire thing, and mm-hmm. the last thing I want to say is something as stupid and vapid as, and the only reason I'm even saying this is that maybe someone out there will listen to this and go, "Oh, I won't do that." Is to say something like, "I'm just asking questions," or "I'm just raising ideas." Mm-hmm. That's not what this is. Mm-hmm. This is a fucking manifesto of my rage at the entire fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Every single line of this, mm. you know, and like what my personal opinion on each thing is could be very nuanced, mm-hmm. but, uh, Every every single part of it is reflective of something that, in some regard, I find troublesome. Um, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that like, you know, I mean, the first line of the song is "big dick," right? And that's like, <laughs> that is such a fucking weird 
fetishizing thing that is gross. Because white guys have just as big a dicks, right? Because that's <laughs> what you're saying. Is we white guys have big dicks too, right? That's I mean, that's what you're saying. I hope that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. That's what Tim's saying. <laughs> white guys, huge dicks. On our other podcast, Huge Dicks and How to Deal with Them. You can listen to more about this. <laughs> but, like, you know, you you walk that shit back and it's like, you know, to a teenager, it's really funny. And, like, even to adults with teenage minds, it can seem very funny. And then you stop for a second and you say, like, don't talk about somebody else's genitals. You don't have the fucking right to talk about like what someone's dick looks like in a way that is like, you know, open and acceptable. and something that we talk about. Uh, um, I don't totally agree with that. Cause I think that like in ghostbusters, when they were like, everything was going fine here till dickless here, shut off the power grid. And he said, is this true? Yes, mm-hmm. sir. This man has no dick. Excellent example of talking about someone's dick, making assumptions, and mwah, perfect. The thing is that, like... Hey, Goethe. I thought Goethe wrote that. Yeah, well, yeah that, is, that is Goethe, yeah. Um, but the... God, I feel like a fucking, like, black experiences professor in Wheaton, Illinois or something <laughs> saying this shit. Um, I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. But um, to, to me, it, it, it seems to me that, like, the idea of, like, reducing a culture to the notion of big dicks is in – it is only a totem for being reductive – uh, as far as actual humanity and like it's like mm-hmm. it's it is a way to nicely say like you're just an animal yeah yeah, yeah. you know you know what i mean that's like, shut up um, and dribble shit it, it is some shut up and dribble shit but it's like but it's like it, it's more like you're the best at dribbling shouldn't you just like you you know what i like you you know what i like about you uh-huh. That you dribble yeah. really, really great. You know, it's like uh, there's. I mean, it's funny to talk about people's dicks. That's that that shit's just funny. <laughs> but when you're like, "Hey, black guys, they're huge dicks." There, there's something marbled in there that's like black guys were sold as chattel for like a long fucking time. Mm. You know, and like to reduce. It, I don't know. It's like this is all hard because if it's like if I had like a fucking gigantic nose, I would at least it would be on my face. I don't know. You know, like somebody's got huge tits. You're like huge tits, but a whole fucking race of dudes. Mm-hmm. You're just like ah, oh, the big dicks on the fucking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's like saying like you know Dobermans are fucking good trackers. Uh huh. You know what yeah, I, mean? I do. It, it, I do. There's a real creepiness to it to mm-hmm. me that, like, it, and it's yeah. I think about like Get Out. You know the way that they started like looking at those men as like a 
you know, just a weird, like, psychological, sexual, uh, animalistic fantasy where it's just yeah. like, no, that shit is that shit is that shit is real, and it's fucking weird, and it sucks. And I mean, like, that's why the next line is "dead hearts." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like it, it's that like. I don't know. I mean, there's potentially everything or nothing to unpack in this song, depending on how much you want to fucking get into it. But I, I don't think that it's possible to listen to it after knowing what the intentionality behind it was mm-hmm. and not hear like the sort of like civic outrage. Yeah. That, like spawn mm-hmm. if that makes any it sense. totally does and i think that um you know all of these phrases are so weighted and there is so much history in in all of them and i think that like you know some of them it's like i think that we're we have a problem with talking about like casual racism because white people generally want to just ignore that it exists in all of us, you know? And so like putting something out there that is, uh, you know, maybe on like a lighter side of racism or, you know, I'm, I'm hung up on big dicks here. What can I say? But, you know, like, it's like not including just wait <laughs> <laughs> not including that in the conversation is dishonest to the actual fucking conversation that we haven't been willing to have in our society for so long. It's like saying, yeah, we you know, we should talk about the elements of like why this is racist and why this is fucked up and why uh you know, it's it's all part of a larger thing. And I think, like, you know, the way that you're presenting a lot of these nuanced parts of the conversation, it's, like, it's good that they're there. Because the nuanced parts are the ones that, like, as you know, you get further into, like, the the liberal side of things, we're, like, the, the left is still, like, afraid of the more nuanced shit because we're just, like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And it's like, right. okay, cool. That's your way of like not actually addressing how this all fits. Totally. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, there's, I don't know. This is maybe a fucked up digression, but like it's a great David Foster Wallace piece about him, like dealing with like sort of like third tier um, Rush Limbaugh types. Uh, I think we've talked about this on this podcast. We've definitely before, talked about Wallace essays. I think I know the one you're talking about. And and he's talking about this guy who, again, he's like a third tier Rush Limbaugh conservative mm-hmm. talk show host. And he's like, man, you got to be a real specific kind of person to get into a room with a microphone and talk for three hours, you know, mm-hmm. which right there is kind of a red flag. But, um, but then the dude is like one of those like I'm taking the N word back because like why should it have so much power? 
Um, like I should, I should be able to say it. Like we should just like, it should just be in casual conversation. So it's, uh, um, normalize it, normalized. And, and like in a very weird way that is not a way that is like practical, pragmatic or anything like that. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. There should be no words that have so much power that they can like disenfranchise an entire group of people, mm-hmm. right? There is also history. Yep. Right? Yeah. And like you cannot devo- what that guy's saying is a good idea mm-hmm. in a fucking vacuum cleaner. Right. Yeah. I don't even give him full vacuum. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it you cannot do that and ignore the reality of people for so long, and the the whole thing where like, and yeah, it is like fucking elite white people that are so hung up on like phrasing and address and like what you call somebody and what you can and can't say. And these are people that have never actually had to like deal with hard questions. Mm -hmm. They can, they can go, um, to, um, didact in order to, because that's what they understand because they're fucking Mm -hmm. scholastic and intellectual. And so it's like, Oh, is there a list of rules? Mm-hmm. I can follow this list of rules. Right. It's like, hey, you know what? You know who doesn't give a shit about me doing a Mexican accent? Anybody Mexican. You know, <laughs> like, like, uh-huh. the, you know why? Because they don't follow a fucking list of rules. Because the list of rules exists only to punish those people. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. not a white person, if you're a white person, you're supposed to follow the rules. If you don't, you get chastised if you're black and you don't follow the rules they shoot you in the back seven times yeah even if you do follow the rules sometimes they shoot you in the back seven times you know so it's like the entire like overcorrection of the left also deals in a complete ignorance of what the reality of being a human being is Mm mm-hmm Right. It's like that, like white college educated elites that have the tenacity to fuck with somebody from like Valparaiso, Indiana, for example, who said black instead of person of color. It's like. Mm-hmm. What are you hiding? Are you, you got out some, of your uh-huh. fucking mind? Like, is that your fight? You just, you're just another fucking pig? Yeah. With your list of rules? Because that's all you know. Because you're a white person, and mm-hmm. all you know is the fucking rules. Yeah. That's all we know. This song is very much a list, also. I'm aware of that. And it, that's obviously, uh, you know, like fucking four years ago when I wrote this, or whatever it was. Um, five years ago, I guess I knew we'd have this conversation and this would come this full circle and I would be able to go, this is my list. Check it out. 
glad I could be here for you. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I like the the aspect of just like being from that place. Uh, being from Missouri and growing up close to Ferguson and there's I think it's just fucking hard when people can't just like see someone as a fucking neighbor and this was like um like my my brother and I are nine years apart. I'm I'm nine years older than him. And when this happened, um, I was driving around, and and my little sister wanted to talk about it. And and my my brother just like very quickly was like, well, he st he stole a he stole a blunt from the convenience store. And I was like. I was like, he's your fucking age. Like, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's the the gymnastics that's done um, by honkies of all stripes, <laughs> liberal or conservative, mm -hmm. um, in order to like keep sort of systemic. Not even racism, but systemic, I don't care. I don't have to yeah. actually put my brain towards this, mm -hmm. about this. It goes all the way from big dicks to, well, he was stealing something to, like, well, you're not following the right set of rules, mm -hmm. you know? And, and like, and it, it, it's, it's, it's really fucked up. Because, like... I don't think that it's like it's fine to be white, right? It, it's fine. Mm -hmm. It's totally okay mm -hmm. to be a white person. Mm -hmm. But also, white people are the whole fucking problem with all of this. White people are the problem on the right mm -hmm. of the political spectrum by being uh, racist shitbags. White people are also the problem on the left by being these fucking like crazy police that make it so you like so there is such a like dogma that you have to like maze your way through in order to be like fucking acceptable in any sort of way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Most people, I mean, have you ever been to like a small town in Mexico? Have you ever noticed that like. It's pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh -huh. like, uh, you know, like, obviously there's like a racial situation going on in Mexico, mm -hmm. you know, Caucasian Hispanics versus uh, black Hispanics or whatever mm -hmm. um, versus, I mean, even that, like the way that, but even that. Me calling out the word versus is me using some sort of fucking rule book language. Mm -hmm. You know, I should be allowed to say that and it should be fine. Mm -hmm. But it's it's against the rule book of 
I don't I don't fucking the know. evolving it's like, rule book, right? Um, yeah, and and, it, and it's like so. The point is the acknowledgement that there's something very wrong, and that a lot of what your information is that you have has been doctored in such a way before it even got to you Mm -hmm. um, that has made your brain poisoned, whether you are a stringent didact of political correctness or whether you are a racist or whether you are anything in between or whatever. I mean, it's like, dude, there's dudes behind a fucking Duncan in fucking Southie right now that are probably more right on in terms of like, and I know the term race realism is something that like white racists often say. <laughs> That's not what I mean. Yeah. But in terms of like race realism, there's like, again, yeah, Chris. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that, you know, that black guy's all right. You know, and he says something like that, and it sounds like to, you know, to um, uh, fucking enlightened ears like ours. You're like, ah, mm-hmm. what? you're treading dangerously close to saying something that's not allowed to be said. But that's not a bad sentence, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know. You're my millennial fucking canary in the coal mine. I'm getting too far here. <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, we, everybody's vocabulary, everybody's language is, is pretty unique to them to themselves and it doesn't take much to get into all right your your use of that word what does it mean and if it is kosher it's it's there and if it you I know just even like if to it's ask like, you what what do you mean by kosher because <laughs> oh, uh, shit. <laughs> Because, you know, some of my best friends are Jewish, uh, and, and, and I don't think they like you. And, and they're also complete scumbags, so they don't like using the term kosher um, in a way that means not scumbags. Because <laughs> um, they keep kosher, but they also... Stop! Stop! <laughs> I'm falling apart in front of a microphone just thinking about how it's all going to be perceived. I know what you're saying, though. There's there's people who who say things that feel a little like, oh, like what? But the sentiment that's there and the sentiment that's like in their expression is oftentimes way further ahead of well, how where... much? How much does you know? It's always education versus ignorance. But how much in this particular? scenario is education the best weapon because the main argument that everybody has about fucking racism or you know systemic or personal whatever mm-hmm. no kids born racist right mm-hmm. so it's just some jack off that went to seventh grade in fucking uh malden massachusetts and then started working at this fucking dad's mechanic shop. And he's like, yeah, that black guy's all right. It's like that guy is uh, to reduce 
white trash people to a caricature, um, mm-hmm. which is also, I guess, technically racist. Um, he's more right on than anybody that's like had to learn all these fucking terms and start navigating this shit because he's just being for real. He's closer to he's closer to his truth, I think. No, no, I don't mean bullshit like that, man. I mean like I feel people people have good hearts mm-hmm. and people have bad hearts. And the more you get into semantics of how you can express that, the more I'm like, Oh, your heart's bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's fucking um uh, fucking what was his name lee uh harvey oswald no no he was like the campaign manager for uh ronald reagan and for george hw bush atwater oh lee sure atwater, yeah, yeah, yeah you know mm-hmm. and he was like you know it used to be you could just say n-bomb 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 and that would do it and then we had to change that because that became out went out of fashion we had to start talking about busing mm-hmm. and then you know busing was to uh, on the nose, so we went really abstract, and we were like, you know, um, zoning laws, mm-hmm. and now, it, and it's all the same fucking thing. Yeah, but it's like if you're parsing dialect like that on mm-hmm. either fucking side to that extent, it's like you're you're getting away from the purpose of language, which is to communicate something, mm-hmm. and and it's for a nefarious reason. And I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. I would rather write a song that opens with the line big dicks and fucking let the fucking dominoes fall. Mm-hmm. As they may, yo. <laughs> that was my Tim Armstrong impersonation. Um, <laughs> then... Then fucking deal in a world of fucking, you know, impotent pseudo-intellectuals um, soliloquizing with euphemism that means nothing to fucking literally anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the racists have dog whistle terms. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like at least it's useful over there. Mm-hmm. Over here, it's like let's get fucking real. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Both sides, uh, it's like using language as like a protection of like yes. I want to I want to express my racism, but uh, apparently like uh, they're on to me, or I want to like I want to hide from uh, actually addressing my racism using I want to hide from I want to hide from the um cultural building blocks that have made it so I have the luxury of coming up with 95 different terms for racism um <laughs> and other people don't so <laughs> you know like it, it's just it, there's no fucking easy way out of it man it, it's it's fuck it's brutal Man, this is what people tune into this for, right? Absolutely. Good. This um, I will t- I will say um I'm willing to go pretty far with you on the train. This is one of the best songs that you've ever written. Um and it is unique 
in your catalog in that it came from somewhere that is extraordinarily larger than yourself and it came and it filtered through that brain that uh is the one that says big dicks is the way to lead and <laughs> the cone the cone is not only is it a is that a great um way to picture this song and not only did you like hit that mark but the cone doesn't start with a with a point you know it starts very wide cuz you're sure. you're you're at, you're you're all there you're all singing together on every chord change that's the type of shit that usually comes at the end and you fucking start there like god yes. damn yeah well it's it's a riot you know what i mean it's supposed to be a riot mm-hmm. and um I'm, I'm i'm really glad to hear you say that thank you that's very that's really kind assessment of this song and uh you know i'm really proud of this one and this is one of the if I wrote Seventeener and nobody liked it, mm-hmm. I would have been like, What the fuck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I wrote that and I think I wrote at the top when I was like titling the lyrics, I think I wrote hit song. Uh <laughs> you know, which mm-hmm. I mean was obviously like a little bit tongue in cheek, but you know, at the same time I was like, nah, this is a you got something here. Yeah. This one was just like this was just for me and for my understanding of things. And um, I don't care if people like this song or not. Um, I hope that this reading of it does cause people to listen to it and think about it in a sort of more nuanced way. But I think that's where the best shit comes from, man. That the yeah. this is this is very clearly for you. You let it you let it come and it's it's honest that's that's why it's for you is that uh the only person that you have to be honest with right here is yourself and i think that i don't know this is something that we kind of touched on last week but like you know we're we're all growing i think even um even as we're sort of like growing and evolving with uh like things that by design restrict us at times. I think that it's, 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 it's always been, um, you know, it's always meant a lot to, to me as, uh, as your, uh, millennial fan to watch, uh, a Gen X or, um, who's always been kind of on the, uh, well, fascinating with dicks among other things um you've uh you've grown and i've seen i've seen how much you've grown um and you know this is uh we live in a pretty fucking white world punk rock is unfortunately a very white place and this is a song that um i think everybody who absorbs it can take a lot of good from it and like fuck man it's 
from the fucking guts. Yeah, man. And it's true. And it is, you know, at the end of the day, uh, thank you. I don't mean to like gloss over that. That was very kind. Um, but like, it's also like, as you say that it's like, well, yeah, but you know, it's four white guys singing it and that, which is fine because like, to quote a fucking another song on another record of mine, which is unbelievably hubristic at this point. Um, it's like, if you're not, if you're fighting yourself, no one is fighting for you. Mm-hmm. So it's like, can you not fight for being like a righteous, good fucking white person that doesn't pretend they understand like yeah is that yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like that's mm-hmm. where i'm at man i am not trying to pretend i understand anything yeah i recognize that white people are the cause of all your problems i recognize white people are the cause of all my problems um like <laughs> the amount of times that like i've been like held up by like the fucking black or latino thugs Compared to how many times I've been like robbed blind by Chase Bank, uh-huh. uh, it doesn't even fucking come close, you know. And uh, I, I, I don't know what's up, you know. Like, I grew up in a, I grew up in a world where uh, things were relatively okay, um, and it's. I don't know what's going on. It's just really heartbreaking. I guess that's all. I don't want to talk too much. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I've already. I've already said too much. But yeah, I mean, I. I think that. The worst thing you could do is pretend like it doesn't exist. Um, I think that we're. You're still growing up. We're all still growing up, and we're we're adapting, and we're evolving, and we're. Um, you know, we're, we're getting angry and this isn't a self-righteous anger. It's just like, we don't even know. We're just finding it out. And it's, um, it's a fucking product of people getting fucking murdered. That's how, that's what's causing us to fucking start talking about it. How fucking sad is that? Uh, that's literally what causes everybody to start talking about anything. Yeah. That's why the only reason we know what black metal is, is because people started getting murdered. Because <laughs> if you heard that shit, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that the chaps have been gathered. This is a, Goddamn right. This is a record that, um, you know, I, obviously when we started doing this, it was like, Oh yeah, fuck yeah! Like, gonna get on all of my favorites. This wasn't one that was like super high on my list. I only got so much room at the top, but understood. Fuck man, I I feel like these are these are some of my favorite episodes because it's just like yeah, this is something different. And like anytime there's growth in in someone's art, it's like cool. It doesn't it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, um, I don't know. It's not my place to say that there's some real fucking whip-ass shit on this album, but um, 
going to anyway. Uh, there's some pretty whip ass shit on this album. So, um, you know, it, it, it makes me happy to talk about it. Truly. Um, this is our podcast. It's called Road to the Skeleton Coast. And God, we, uh, this was a, this was a wild one. This feels like, you know, a, a real sloppy set that turned into something. This is what, this is one of my favorite episodes that we've recorded by far. Yeah, well, no, I hate it. So okay, you know. well, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, I, also, I, I'm a I'm a sentimental ding- dingus. This is the last uh, episode of this show that we're both going to be in Chicago for. Um, I, I there's no chance that I would be in this position uh, if not for uh, this city and the fact that uh, very thrilled to have um, you know moved up here and then, like I said was going to happen in in 2010 i'm going to move to chicago and brandon kelly's going to become my best friend and it came true there you go boom try it people move up here in 2010 i'll be your best friend we have a patreon <laughs> patreon.com slash better sandwich um fucking looking forward to this uh dan and brendan ride the train episode that we're gonna do um we got some other dope shit on there. It's uh, a very fun opportunity for me to introduce some of my best friends to my other best friend, Brendan. Um, you know, folks like Brian Fallon, my, my old homie from New Jersey. Um, and then Sam Russo. Yeah. My, my merry old friend from England from old Jersey came on to talk to us and yeah, you can subscribe, uh, patreon.com slash, better sandwich and we will be back here on the feed next week with what do you think we should talk about next week we're fucking running out of records here yeah well you know you made a great suggestion um the other day which was that we talk about we are the champions of the world and thereby sort of deal with some of the butt hurt turds out there that think that we should have talked more about uh, 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 apathy and greatest story as though the four hour greatest story episode about a what 29 minute record was not enough. Um, <laughs> you know, let's, let's dig back into it, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, um, I think that that would be fun. And you know, we talked about the bonus tracks on our Patreon, which you can visit. Uh, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that shit. Just kind of get to some questions and stuff like that. So if you have questions, um, subscribe to our Patreon and send them in because we won't listen to you if you don't. <laughs> be a good chance to like revisit and you know hit some of those uh those details that we might have skipped over um and yeah i'm looking forward to it i look forward to this shit every week so we will be back next friday we'll talk to you thank you friends later everybody